You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. You don't need to be a bioengineer to help change the shape of humanity. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Trillions. I'm Joel Weber. And I'm Eric Balchunas. Eric, welcome to 2023. It's pretty good. It's gonna so be far. it's gonna be a lot like 2022 or, or different. Some things are the same, some things are different. I'm looking forward to it though. I, it's hard to believe. I'm old enough where I just 2023 would be like in a movie where they'd like the future. Really far in the future. Yeah. Like now we're, we're there. yeah, I think um just hard to believe how how old we're getting. To be when, honest, when you think of that, do you think like Blade Runner or do you think like Acme Car- cartoons? I'm thinking like Escape from New York or Terminator. Okay, but typical. Of- I think Escape from New York might have been like 1999 or something. Yeah. We're like we're way, way past that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so we've got some tickers for the year ahead. Yeah, so we did our outlook, which is sort of the more traditional thing that analysts do, especially in Bloomberg Intelligence. But one of the not so traditional thing we do is a little bit maybe BuzzFeedish. Uh, we make a listicle, which is there are 23 ETFs we're watching in 2023. And this was born out of, uh, we have all of the analysts occasionally do something called the money show, which is an event that is all over different cities. And it's direct retail investors go to these hotels and just hear from experts. There's no middle people, no advisors, no institutions, nothing. At these shows, the, these people want to hear about tickers. They don't really care about your trends <laughs> or your, you know, 4,000-foot view. They, they're just curious about all the new gadgets and, and tickers that they have access to, and ETFs give you access to a lot. So we do this list not to say these ETFs are going to go up or down. We can't do that. We don't give investment advice. However, these are ETFs that we think about that have moved us or that we are watching because they sort of tap into something else going on or one of our big themes and so these are just generally ETFs on our mind that we will be checking in to regularly in the new year. So joining us for this episode, James Seifert and Athanasio Serafegas with Bloomberg Intelligence, as well as Scarlett Fu with Bloomberg News. This time on Trillions, 23 for 23. James, Athanasios, Scarlett, thanks for joining us on Trillions. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be back. Okay, James, why don't you kick us off? What's your top pick for next year? Yeah, so in the intro, Eric said it's sometimes it's a ticker, sometimes it's something that's more emblematic of something we're watching. Um, so mine is VTV, which is a very boring pick. It's the Vanguard Value Fund. Um, but the reason I'm picking it is because Vanguard has a patent in the way that they operate this fund. So VTV is actually a share class of the Vanguard Value Mutual Fund, index fund. That process is patented, so nobody else has been able to mimic that. Every ETF has been a standalone fund. But in May of 2023, that patent expires. <gasps> now, if this What does was, that mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if this was eight years ago, I'd be like, we'd be jumping from the rooftops like this could be a huge deal, right? I mean, right now, because it's 2023, a lot of people are already converting. ETFs are way bigger than they were when this patent was a much bigger deal. So we don't know how big of a deal it's going to be, but I'd be shocked if we don't see some sort of asset managers looking at VT, the things like VTV and saying, maybe we can do this rather than converting our entire fund or at least talking about doing it. Now, I don't know if we'll see someone do it in 2023. That'd be very interesting to 
watch. Um, but I think there'll be a lot of people looking at that that uh, actual structure and thinking about implementing it themselves. That's an interesting way to start. Yeah, um, this is well, conversions are huge. There's um, sixty five billion dollars worth of mutual funds that have converted into ETFs from big issuers and Fidelity just launched it. It, it is a big deal. So this is another option for them potentially that's opened up. However, I ran into the woman who was the lawyer on um, Guinness Atkinson, the first conversion. She downplayed it. She says this, um, A, there's several patents they have that are related to it, and Vanguard could probably prolong that. Uh, So there's some legal things that could happen. Also, a lot of these issuers have moved on already. They've launched uh, their own ETFs that are clones. They're doing conversions. Um, The other thing is with uh, ETF share class, it helps if you have inflows, but if you have outflows, then it can sometimes actually mean that the ETF gets capital gains from the mutual fund seeing outflows, and that that's like the opposite of what you want. So there's, it's a little trickier than people think. I think it will be interesting for sure, um, but I'm I'm a little, I don't know, I, I uh, skeptical that we'll see big money use this route. I think though I'm I'm with Eric for the most part. I, I think like I said, eight years ago this would be I think this would be a huge talking point. Um, right now I think it's more just like is somebody going to do this? And obviously I mean the the same thing was with mutual fund conversions. We were early in 2019 saying that we thought there was going to be a mass conversion of mutual funds to ETFs. A lot of people in the industry disagreed with us. We're not as bullish on this this trend taking hold, but um, we'll definitely be watching in 2023 and especially 2024. Athanasios. Give me a, an ETF that we're gonna we should know about next year. What are you watching for twenty three? Sure. So one thing that's on my radar for next year is uh, Russia. Remember this story uh, for the Russia ETFs this year. Uh, one in particular, RSX, which was the Vanek Russia ETF. It was the biggest one, uh, but I think this story has to come to a close next year. Um, these are still halted, uh, so a lot of investors are still stuck with this ETF. There's been some process beginning to unwind some of the other ones, like iShares has said they're going to start liquidating it. There's a lot in Europe. Our Vandek hasn't said anything yet, but I think this is going to be a big year where this starts to unwind. And it impacts a lot of other ETFs. A lot of emerging market ETFs are still holding Russia. This is a Roach Motel you, you got in and you can't get out and people have been stuck there for, for months? Uh, essentially, yeah. Pretty in March will be like almost a year. So, and it's not just RSX. People don't realize that there is still Russia stock splattered all over these random ETFs. So, I'd like you know, iShares has already begun the process. So, it's probably going to look similar to like a bankruptcy proceeding. They're going to try to get what they can when they can and start to pay out investors. So, I think that RSX is going to be a big story for next year. Is that how this thing gets unwound and investors at least get some of their money back? What happens if it's an emerging market ETF and it has some Russia exposure? Yeah, I think they're going to try. I think it'll be the same process. Uh, but what people don't realize is the emerging market ones hold way more than even RSX. RSX is just, I think, a, a really good indication huh. of how this might work. But yeah, so if you hold like EEM or IMG, there's still Russia stocks stuck in there, even the big Vanguard ones. So I, I'd be really interesting to see how this all gets uh you know, how would they try to get some money out of it? Or if there's some resolution to the war next year, uh, to start seeing this unwinding process. If I'm in that fund, I just say, don't do anything. Let me just wait till some resolution or at least um, hope for that. This could be years. Yeah, because I'd rather I'd rather wait than get nothing now. Mm. Might as well. 
I mean, I don't think Russia is going to exclude itself from the, the global world, you know. For, global capital markets forever? Yeah, I, I, I think at some point there'll be a resolution. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. But it doesn't matter. It's like a tire or win if you, if you wait. You can't lose anymore. It's already nothing. <laughs> okay. So. Okay, ne- next. Unless you need the cash. Eric, next. Yeah, so you know how it used to be like all about growth and work from home stocks and ARC and everything? Well, obviously, when the Fed started hiking, everything changed and mm-hmm. fundamentals became cool again, right? <laughs> became so, essential. Yeah. Maybe not cool. The throwback moment. Essential, yes. As Bogle says, in the end, reality rules. And so- Eric has taken to quoting Jack Bogle at random times. (laughs) Spent two years living in his world. Yeah, so endlessly. What do you got? Yeah, so uh, cows, and obviously this is one that had a big year this year. Curious to see if this maintains its year next year. This basically is an ETF that looks at uh, free cash flow. Yeah, and free cash flow rules in this kind of environment. It matters now. Yeah, if you have cash, you have there's stuff you can do. Having cash gives you protection from these horrible markets. Mm-hmm. And so this is an ETF that wasn't up really, but it it wasn't down. And so just to tread water, you outperform the market by a lot. This thing was in the top 20 of flows. And it spawned a bunch of little sequels. Calf, bull, Wait, G-cow. what's bull? Bull is... Calf is the small cap version of cows, right? That's right. So what's bull? Bull is the cash cows, but growth like a growth version of the cash cows. Oh, interesting. So, so you gonna, combine growth and uh, yep, like cash flow. Yep. And eCow is the emerging market cash cow. So <laughs> this this firm, uh, Pacer, locked in on this hit. Yeah. And every time you have an indie blockbuster, they launch the sequels, just like movies. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's, it's there's your like franchise. Rocky Seven. Yeah. Like <laughs> this is it. So it's interesting to see how this will keep up. But overall, I am watching fundamentally driven ETFs. I think they're going to have a they're is that be a in factor now, by the way? Is, is, is fundamentals a factor? You could like throw that in with momentum and value and well, growth. Well, all the factors are built on, on fundamentals. So, but like Momentum manfa- is not really fundamentals. Well, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, you're right. That's just on price movement. Yeah. All right. Value, though, is price to earn. Okay. There's different ways to define it. Yeah. I would say that factors are within the larger world of fundamental ETFs. Okay, that's fair. Factors are a slice of that big tent. James? So I'm going to go to one that I talk about every time I'm on Trillions, I feel like. Uh, but this is warranted for 2023. There's a lot of news around GBTC, which is the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. Uh-huh. Um, so this thing closed at a record 49% discount. Intraday, we see it trade at over a 50% discount, which basically means the price of the shares of this trust are trading at a 50% discount to the underlying value of the Bitcoin it holds. So, yeah. So basically, if Bitcoin's at 20, this thing is trading at... 10? Ten, yeah, roughly. 10. So you basically get a gigantic haircut off the price of Bitcoin if you're investing in this. But, but right now there's no way to arbitrage that difference, right? But the benefit is if you buy this now, like you said, we'll use the twenty thousand number you used. If you go from ten to twenty, a lot of people think fifty percent discount. I'm going to get a fifty percent return, but that's a hundred percent return. Ten thousand to twenty thousand, a hundred percent return. So this is big money, and we're seeing that come out in lawsuits. So part of what's happening is Grayscale wants to convert this to an ETF. They've been denied by the SEC, as we've covered here many times. They have now sued the SEC after the last denial. We're expecting oral arguments. There's written arguments going on right now. Oral arguments, like actual court cases, going to happen in February or March. We'll get a decision likely before, likely at some point. In, d- in the second quarter, possibly in the third quarter, then we could see appeals. But who knows? We're going to be watching that very closely. The other thing is- What happens when you sue the SEC? 
What kind of likelihood of success do you have? Yeah, so we actually have litigation analysts here in Bloomberg Intelligence who are covering this from the litigation standpoint. And you'll see, if you go on Twitter or social media, you'll see people talking about this, like this is a frivolous lawsuit to sue the SEC, a regulator. But there's a process set up for this. It's called an APA Procedural Act. Basically, you're supposed to treat like situations alike. Elliot Stein is our litigation analyst, and he gives them an odds around 40%, probably closer to 30 than 50 in that range, but it's not a frivolous, like, no-win situation. On on the the GBPC lawsuit? I mean, the option is you can, uh, you can, it would be buying GBTC in some way, right? I mean, there's, there's some way you can short Bitcoin, buy GBTC, stuff like that. People have been doing that for a long time. It has not worked out in the last four years. Um, so th- not only is that lawsuit going on, now we have an investor, Firtree Capital, which is an activist. They run hedge funds. They're an activist investor special situation. And now they've sued Grayscale to get more information. So there's so many different things happen with lawsuit. And then we just had a letter from Michael Sunnison. I might pronounce his last name wrong. I'm sorry. He's the he's the CEO of Grayscale. And he basically says, if we fail to convert this to an ETF, we're going to do a tender offering of 20% of the shares. Virtree wants to, them to open a redemption program. I mean, there are so many things. Mess. We could do a whole show on this. There's a whole- We will. So it's, it's going to be a lot happening in 2023 for this product. Okay. Yeah, no, GBTC is endlessly fast. It's funny. It's not even an ETF, but- uh, <laughs> It's like all it's, this for nothing. Yeah, but- <laughs> It, it attracted money because it seemed like an ETF to many people and it was just a convenient way to get exposure. That said, what I'm also f- watching with uh, crypto is how many filings are we going to see? Did the SBF uh, drama scare away the market? But we've seen already one filing here in the US, two actually, for crypto products uh, that are going to come out. And in Hong Kong, they launched their first two and they've gotten decent money. So there's been a couple rays of light that this is going to carry on after SBF and the thrill of watching him go to jail is gone. What do you got next, Eric? One of the ones I'm watching next year is uh, STRV, which a lot of people don't know, but it's the Strive 500 ETF. And this is part of a theme that I've been writing about, which is the cultural wars bleeding into the ETF world. Strive basically came out and said, you know, uh, basically in a reaction to BlackRock, look, we're going to track the market like beta, just like a regular index fund, we're going to track all different areas of the market like BlackRock does, except we're just going to vote for companies to make profits. We're not going to do anything that's ESG. That's what I guess the name comes from. Like we want them to strive for excellence, not for these ESG programs. So for the anti-ESG crowd, it's supposed to appeal to them. They have some big backers. This thing already has a decent amount of assets. The company itself has half a billion in assets. Pretty good start. This is also just interesting in that uh, BlackRock and Vanguard have started to look at programs where they're going to let their own inv- their investors have a say in how their shares are voted. It'd be interesting to see if that sort of steals some of the thunder of this idea, because if BlackRock and Vanguard are going to sort of just turn over the voting, do you need a Strive? Um, I'm sure Strive would make a case why they're still important, but that is a big thing. That This is a big issue because BlackRock and Vanguard own so much of the stock market, and how they vote has... It's a powerful position. And so this decentralization of that voting is going to be interesting. Strives in here basically saying, we'll do it this one way. And then ESG concerns, are they legit? Are they not? So there's this whole area of the ETF world that sort of become a political football. And so it will be interesting to see if any big real money moves over there, or if this just becomes something that we spend... 10% of our time talking about, but makes up like 0.5% of the assets. 
um, which is generally what ESG is like. And also interesting to to launch with Drill, the the first ETF that they had, and then follow up with something that's much more mainstream. So be curious to see where they go. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents. People who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Okay, James, next. Yeah, so I'm going to go with one that a lot of people probably aren't talking about or don't even know of. It's going to be the Matthews China Active ETF, MCH. And they are just a hard traditional active manager. They tend to be relatively concentrated in their picks. They have a bunch of mutual funds. So MCHFX is the mutual fund that this is basically um, a clone of. And they put in the ETF wrapper. But why I'm watching it has to do with a similar thing of what we talked about with Vanguard's uh, fund structure. Uh, MCHFX pays out massive capital gains every year because they're very active. The mutual fund structure is not great because you often end up having to pay capital gains. The ETF structure is efficient because you can wash those gains out. So this thing launched in April of last year, I believe. Um, and it we're watching to see, one, if it's going to have any capital gains this year, which it doesn't look like it's going to, but also it's going to have a full year the following year. So this could be literally the poster child for why you should have an ETF wrapper, especially for some side, of these highly by, active Side ETFs. by side. Like, this is why you want this one and not the other one. Exactly. I mean, in, in a tax advantage account, capital gains really don't make that much of a difference. But if you're in a taxable account, an ETF can really be a vastly more efficient vehicle than a mutual fund. Okay. Athanasios, what do you got? Yeah, so on the team, you know, we all follow basketball. Eric's a big basketball fan. So one theme we had for next year was just sort of back to basics, right? And, you know, 2021 was, you know, half-court shots and alley-oops and a lot of, like, fanfare. I think we're going to go back to basics, more focus on fundamentals, focus on quality companies. So the one I'm picking is the Dimensional U.S. High Profitability Company, DU, ETF, which is D-U-H-P. Now, this is going to sound crazy, but, you know, remember companies that would, like, make stuff and make money? Like, I like these companies. <laughs> and this is what this focuses on, like, companies that make stuff and are highly profitable and have good cash flow. Uh, and it's a it's a it's been a really good performer. This is like, outrageous. Yeah, it sounds out. Like, people would imagine being like, okay, yeah, let's just pick companies that have money and make stuff. And so... <laughs> I'd probably put this under like a quality factor. So it's just trying to pick up these. So when you look at it at the surface, you're like, no, this is just the S&P 500. But it only has 35% overlap with the index. It's 22 basis points. DFA is really specialized in this. So I think they they found a really good spot where it's just different enough. 
but it's got a lot of names in there that I think people will recognize. But they really seem to excel in their overweights and underweights. But I think this really big theme for next year is just going to be focused. Go back to fundamentals. Just focus on high-quality companies. Yeah. By the way, that is a – companies that have money and make stuff ETF. Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> So, Eric, how do you follow that up? Yeah, I mean, I have one that's similar uh, to that, Athanasios, and that's the Avantis ETF. Um, I, really, all of their ETFs I'm watching. This company, a lot of people don't know who they are, but they're an active manager, and the main person used to work at uh, DFA. So I believe they've come out and said, hey, we're like DFA, but we're cheaper. And it's definitely worked. Um, this What's com- the ticker that people uh, should be looking up? So the, the one I, I really pointed out was AVUV, which is the small cap value ETF. This is an interesting product because in the small cap value category, there are ETFs from BlackRock and Vanguard, multiple. But this ETF, AVUV, took in four times more flows than any of the other ones. That's hard to believe. You, know, you rarely see a category with Vanguard and BlackRock where someone else wins. And you look into this, their whole product line has taken in flows in like one month, one year, year to date. Like It's just green. Look like ARC maybe three years ago. And the reason these are interesting is, A, that they do focus on fundamentals, which is back in vogue, and B, they're low cost. Uh, These are funds that are priced that the one I just mentioned was 25 basis points. Their U.S. fund is 15, uh, EM is 33, and they're all within that range. So this is what I would call, you know, I frequently say dirt cheap or shiny objects are where most of the flows go. This would be dirt cheap. It happens to be active. So active, I think, can find a home either getting very active or maybe lowering their fee and being much more moderately priced. And Avantis, I feel, has has shown that. And this company, um, again, it's probably one of the fastest growing on a percentage basis. But these kind of wins in these categories, like beating BlackRock and Vanguard, is no easy feat. So uh, this is um, an ETF. Small cap value, I also just wonder, is that going to rain for a while? In, year, in the 2000s, small cap value had a great run when the S&P was flat. And I wonder if small cap value will have that decade-long run again. I don't know. We'll see. That's another reason I pick that specific one of the Avantis lineup. Okay, interesting. Athanasios, what do you got for us? Okay, uh, one word, uh, bonds. Oh, so, this is the year of the bond, right? <laughs> so this was a rough year. But this I'm is, just kidding. So this bonds are great. Is, um, this is where I think most – you know, it's, it's fun to talk about a lot of the other uh, products have been coming up. But I think where there's a lot of room for innovation is in – bond etfs i think they've already they proved themselves didn't you say that last year i know what what year is this now what year are we in it's like three years running like hear me out bonds uh so u10 is the ticker it's got a pretty generic name just the u.s treasury 10-year note etf but what this one is this one's a single bond etf so i think we saw the single stock etfs come out this year where i think this makes more sense is with single bonds so it's it's basically like you're holding a 10-year bond. So what I like about this this issuer and the products they've come out with, they're very precise, and they're focusing on the most liquid parts of the of the bond market. So this is just treasuries that tend to be liquid anyways, but I think this is going to open the door for a lot of innovation next year on, target, on slicing up the bond market, having more precision, more efficiency, more liquidity. Uh, so that's something that I'm definitely keeping an eye on for next year. We'll see if you try and sneak this one past this next year again, too. <laughs> yeah. making, making a note to self here. 
what, what, I actually wanted to use another one from this same company, FM Acceleration U2. Um, so it, Ethan claimed it for his 23, one of the 23 ETFs, so I couldn't use it. But I, I'm also fascinated to watch these. They're launching a whole suite of these things that only invest in on-the-run treasury securities. So it's going to be interesting to see how many how advisors just take to this. And they're they're basically trading vehicles for, for treasury ETFs, which sounds like it's not needed, but it really is niche because of the way that on-the-run treasuries trade more than um, a basket of treasuries that aren't necessarily just the on-the-run versions. Eric, what, what else you got for us? Yeah, I have one from fixed income. I can do a little bonds. Um, the one I am looking at is the Bond Blocks Triple C rated high yield corporate bond ETF, which got, it's a, tic- got a ticket for that. Yeah, XCCC um, for Triple C. Obviously, um, this is interesting because uh, you know junk bond ETFs. First of all, had always been like the canary in the coal mine for like liquidity mismatch concerns, and so here comes one that goes really far in terms of. Uh, poorly rated junk, right? So triple C would be like bad, right? And this has almost 100% allocated to it. For context, the next ETF with the most triple C is 31%. So it's triple the the biggest one to the point. And HYG and J&K only have about 9% uh, to triple C. So this really is interesting in a couple ways. A, this thing's going to yield a lot. And so will people be attracted to that yield at some point you were going to get people looking at that indicated yield. It's going to be pretty high, easily double digits, I'm guessing. Then the other question is, junk bond ETFs have survived many tests for sure. And I've been a defender of them. They work fine. They see some discounts, but they trade on. And largely it's because the bonds themselves haven't been updated. So the NAV is a little stale. But we haven't seen defaults. Like If we have a wave of defaults, this thing could, could have some issues, right? If some of these junk companies here, but these junk bonds mm. uh, have default problems. This could have some structural issues. I uh, hope it doesn't, but it's one to watch. Good what if there. Okay. Okay. James, next. Yeah. So I'm going to go with TSLQ, which is one of the, we just talked about single single bond ETFs. Yeah. Now I'm going to talk about single What's equity, gonna happen? single stock What's ETFs. What's going to happen with, with Tesla Q? Yeah. I mean, this thing is, I mean, it has $65 million in assets. It trades Talk more than that. the perfect year for this in it, 2022. So, you it, know, 2023 though. Yeah. TSLQ is, it's an inverse Tesla ETF. It's the, it was, it was one of the first ones launched that to, it, it's an ETF. It's a, kind of an oxymoron to call it an ETF. It invests in a single equity. Some are like 1.25 levered long. Some are one to two levered short. There's about 25 of them on the, on the exchange right now. Um, there's been like 80 to 90 filed. There's a couple now that are filing that are basically uh, leverage versions of ETFs, but I'm focused on the single security ones. We were, I was very bullish on this personally when we were talking, if we talked about in Q1 of 22, Q2 of 22, but basically the SEC, we thought these were going to come out, but the SEC has vastly limited the amount of leverage that you can use. You can get way more leverage in these single security ETFs in Europe than you can here in the States. And I think traders just aren't going to be that attracted. What's the, what are they capping it at? So it depends. It depends on the volatility of the underlying stock that you're investing in. So if you have a really volatile stock, you're not going to go beyond one X inverse. Same. So TSLQ, you can only get one one X inverse. There's also another one that has some decent assets. Is the 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 Apple inverse from Direction AAPD. So that has 20 million in assets, but it doesn't trade as nearly as much. And everything else, like really, doesn't trade much at all. It has very minimal assets. We think they could be used maybe around earnings time, um, but we just, they're just not gaining a lot of traction, partially because they don't have that extra leverage. And also, I mean, I think 
I think a lot of people thought these were going to be very successful. Like I said, like I said, so did I. Um, and it's just not turning out to be. So I, I'd be watching this whole space to see how many of them close or how many of them try to launch and then ultimately close within a short time period. I will say tes- Tesla Q is unbelievable. I mean, it's trading now regularly over $100 million a day. That's like big boy level. And it's got it's up eighty eight percent in the past three months. I mean, <laughs> that's gonna you're gonna find some buyers with uh, that kind of performance. Perfect, perfect product. Perfect timing. Yeah, yeah. This is um, this is a, a legit hit, and this will keep people coming and trying. Yeah. I mean, as long as you have one or two of these. But to James's point, I think they're gonna limit it to really high profile, controversial stocks, and not just blanket every stock with a inverse and leverage version because. Who really needs to trade like 1.5x Pfizer? I mean, who, who do we really need that? Athanasios, what do you got for us? Okay, K-pop, which is the oh, I love that Korean. It's a t- well, this is I got bad news for you because I <laughs> I think this one is going to close, and oh, no. it's not. Well, it's not K-pop per se. I think this is indicative of how crazy and niche some of the launches have gotten over the last couple years. Right? It was. The byproduct of this really strong bull market launches were coming Fast at a really rapid pace. Yeah, and they were getting really niche. It's not against K-pop. I think it's just going to be indicative of a theme that we are tracking for next year, and that's a lot more closures. And I think that these ones are going to be at higher risk than a lot of the other ones for closures because they're going to be they're smaller, they're more niche and focused. They're mm-hmm. not going to be able to appeal to like a bigger investor base. Uh, so, you know, any type of thematic or niche play like this, is it's just been tough. A lot of them have been underwater. And then, like Eric had mentioned, one of our themes is, you know, focus on fundamentals next yeah. year. I think there's going to be a purging of some of these strategies. So K-pop is just one I'm watching to unfortunately be added to the graveyard for next year. He he wanted to do this headline, K-pop is going to K-flop. <laughs> That's why he it's decided crazy to include for BI, it. But it, it, it was catchy. It's New York Post stuff. You know, we could do a TikTok off of that. We had the K-pop guy on, and these are real people with, you know, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. And so I don't want to totally, like, uh, crap on people's ideas, but this is pretty out there, and it's 75 basis points, and it Ow. launched into a really rough market. Yeah, I agree with Tom. It's just, you know, timing might have helped this thing, but the timing was not there. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents. People who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Athanasius, you got another one? Uh, I do. And 
it's maybe even like the whole reason we're here, right? And this ETF has always been there, but we never realized it. And it's just, well, how do we track the growth of the ETF industry, right? There's podcasts and shows, and now there's flows are still really strong. There's product that's coming. There's conversions. It sounds so very meta. Who, yeah, you're you're, yeah. you're 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 totally trying to blow our exactly. mind for next year. So who you know, and it's this ETF, and we sort of talk about it all. Like we know who who the big players are, all the issuers, the asset managers, but there's a whole ecosystem behind that, right? There's market makers, mm-hmm. index providers, exchanges administrators they're all benefiting from it you're killing so me use- you're, you're killing me what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> so the ticker is kce which is the spider s p capital markets etf now there used to be an etf that tracked it was called the etf industry etf by Teroso, but they closed it unfortunately and i remember i was looking in the past and, and this I took its this place one. it's not well it's not marketed like that it's almost identical to the performance of the Terosto product. So this is sort of a backdoor way into play the growth of the industry. And you're getting exposure to a lot of the other firms that maybe you don't necessarily think about when everyone is moving over and converting into ETFs. The ETF industry is like the media industry. They love talking about themselves. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of like, like Eric and on Jack Bogle. <laughs> I, I guess so. I mean, well, well this is an ETF podcast. <laughs> Should we talk about, um, you know, 80s metal bands? I'm fine with it. Oh, yeah. And um, 90s basketball, which I know you're also fine with. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk Michael Jordan. Come on. Um, good, good one, Athanasius. Yeah. You, you, also, you, you basically made Eric fall silent. The other thing is uh, ETFs are going to trade about $50 trillion worth of shares this year. And this has a lot of the firms that do the market mm. making and, and the exchanges. And so... ETFs may not make as much money as mutual funds and expense ratio, but they trade a ton, and that's a revenue generator for... You're going to need to change the name of the podcast to tens of trillions, <laughs> not just trillions. No, the beauty of trillions is that it counts for tens of trillions. Yeah, and yeah, and you, it, you were good. Yeah. Where, was, uh, no. Cruise control. Uh, Rebecca Sin, in, uh, who does our Asia research, we were trying to... Th- she's going to start a podcast, mm-hmm. and we were thinking of what to name it, and I was like, you should probably go to the next step. What, gazillions? <laughs> <laughs> Eric, you got another? Yeah. This one is really th- this one is a very small ETF, and I'm not sure it'll even last. But the Top Gun ETF. Wait, Ooh. what's the ticker first? TGN. Okay, when did it launch? Uh, like two months ago. <laughs> it's called the uh, AXS Brendan Woods Top Gun Index ETF. And look, uh, besides the whole Top Gun reference, which is you mm-hmm. know ETFs like to have fun for sure. What I what's interesting is it's only 27 stocks. Well, so and what are they? Uh, I'll give you some examples. Defense contract. Mastercard is in it. Um, oh no, <laughs> Mastercard. Um, bait and switch. United Health. Uh, well, th- and, and a lot of stuff I don't recognize. There's so, some energy. So where companies. are they classifying as Top Gun? Best. Well, best they, in category. Yeah, exactly. This is a big thing. I think. I think you're going to see a future where active managers come in with their best ideas. Mm-hmm. They're not going to launch. You know, 300 stocks and it moves a lot like okay, the Okay, so they're playing off Tom Scarrett saying that you're the best of the best. Yeah, the best <laughs> of the best, exactly. Of, you know, according to this manager. Think about it. If you have a cheap beta core, like you use Vanguard and BlackRock for like your vast majority mm-hmm. of your core portfolio and you'd spend three basis points on it, you know, you want something very convicted. Again, this is a little bit of the Kathy Wood effect. She showed and highly concentrated. That, but that's what people want because uh, people now have 15%. Uh, of their portfolio available for hot sauce. How much is this fund? 
How much does it cost? What's the expense ratio? Uh, let me look. Because it's, it's active, right? 98 basis yeah. points. That is a little pricey. Even Kathy Wood's 75. The point of this is I think we're going to see more of this. We're going to see even bigger managers come out with more concentrated active portfolios. And the reason for that, again, is because it can complement cheap mm-hmm. beta and not competing with it. Is there a mutual fund based on this? Or is this an offshoot of a mutual fund or no? It's a no. totally brand new Totally brand fund. new. What what is the the sequel called Maverick going to uh, invest in? Maverick is going to hold the children. The children, yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to help the children. <laughs> the wayward children, and then the children will save him, and everybody will have their art. And there's going to be a portion there. Yeah. that'll yeah. that'll I, be in the fund. I, I love it. You know, <laughs> but you got you got to wait like 25 years. Yeah, yeah. In the middle of a pandemic yeah. again. Yeah, or and then right hold, out of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that you wore your aviators for that. <laughs> He's got his leather bomber jacket. That's too. right. I am dangerous. <laughs> no, um. <laughs> no, but you're. I agree on the concentration. Um, I, I think it's you know Top Gun, but you probably see Top Ideas yep. ETFs coming out next year. So I, I like it. That's a that's a great pick. Who comes up with the ticker? Who proposes tickers? Is it the marketing side or is it the fund manager? But it could be anybody. Could be anybody. Um, we were just talking about that a little bit. Like TGN, a little underwhelming. I think you could have done better with this ticker. Gun. No. Gun, Top G. Mav. Top G. Ice. Are there four letter? Yes, our RK. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And, and one. This guy might might yeah. not have wanted to be so... I mean, Well, then why would he name it Top Gun? But I don't know. Anyway, um, he chose it, but well, I think Well, we know the like, is, approximately what his vintage is. We know how old he is. Last one. Drum roll. Yeah, so the last one I'm going to talk about is VXUS, which is uh, kind of boring. It's just the global stock market without the U.S. Um, it's That's Van- a thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. Believe Why? it. Believe it or not, some people might want to invest not in the U.S. Um, so this thing, it's a it's a massive fund. It's from Vanguard. But why it draws so much interest for me is because this thing has seen three days of outflows in its history since it launched in 2011. Mm. Three days of outflows. That's it. No, nothing else. Part of the reason is because, as most people likely know, the U.S. market has trounced the international market uh, over the last decade. Um, but if that starts to change, we might see some outflows here. So I'm going to be watching for that because essentially if you have like a set allocation, you want to have a certain percentage to, to your domestic stocks if you're in the U.S., you want to have a certain percentage to international. As U.S. continually outperforms the international, you're going to sell the U.S. and buy international. So we th- uh, that's my theory on why this thing consistently sees inflows day in and day out and doesn't see a single day of outflow. Um, so I- I'm going to be watching basically to see uh, if – if we can see international stocks keep up, they've actually, if you look in 2022, they kept pace roughly with, with domestic stocks. So in 2023, if we see an outperformance of international stocks, I'll be watching to see if this thing sees outflows. Okay. There are a couple of Bloomberg intelligence analysts who couldn't join our recording, Henry Jim in Europe and Rebecca Sin in Asia, but we do want to go through some of their picks. Athanasios, do you want to kick us off with, with some of Henry's? Uh, sure. So I want to, Eric doesn't like acronyms, so just no. All of them has usits in the name already, so I won't repeat it every time. Uh, I'm I'm just trying to keep the audience from falling asleep. (laughs) European Uh, regulatory acronyms. I mean, if you're listening right now, do you want him to just like sort of spout spout those off? (laughs) Okay, go ahead for another episode. Go go ahead, Athanasios. But sure, it's a lot of the similar themes that we've seen in the U.S. So like dividends, uh, you know, people want income. It's actually probably a bigger focus in Europe. So. One of his picks was the S&P uh, U.S. Dividend ETF UDVD, which is one of the tickers. And then uh, inflation. You know, the U.S. isn't the only place with inflation. It's it's uh, 
you know, that's going up in Europe too. There's some interesting ETFs that are tracking European inflation expectations. This one's by Lixor, the Lixor Europe, Europe 2 to 10-year inflation expectations ETF. INFL is the ticker there. And uh, Henry is pretty bullish on active ETFs. They haven't really penetrated that market uh, as much as they have here. So he's looking at some by JP Morgan, who I think now is the largest active shop in the U.S. They've got a pretty big, uh, or they're trying to increase that foothold in Europe. So he's got one JREU, which is a JP Morgan U.S. Research Enhanced Index Equity ESG. Oh, my God. ETF. That is a long name. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Can we, did I get a niner in there? <laughs> and James, you got one more for us from, from Henry. Yeah, it's just RMAU. It's a gold ETF. It's listed on the London Stock Exchange. Henry's interested in looking at uh, precious metals ETFs and specifically gold because he's watching. There was a lot of Bitcoin and crypto ETFs that launched in Europe and people have been burned pretty badly. There was actually an FTT or FTX token ETF in Europe. There's a few of them that have closed. There's been a few things that have been hit really hard. So he thinks people are going to go back to the tangible, tangible like, I'll gold. take it in yeah. the vault. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. exactly. Okay. Uh, and and Eric, you've got some from Rebecca uh, in, from Asia. Yeah, um, she's really watching the tech the tech scene over in Hong Kong and China. I mean, some of these are like the CSOP three hundred three three. The t- the tickers in Asia are like so they're just numbers basically. But generally speaking, she's looking at tech because you know China has been beat up in the tech sector in particular. So she's watching some tech ETFs over there. So looking at the crypto ETF, um, she was covering uh, the Hong Kong cover, the first Ether and Bitcoin ETFs. So she's following them. They already have, I believe, somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 million right off the bat. It's really good. 80 million over there is like, that'd be like if it was a billion dollars in the US in terms of how big that ETF market is versus ours. She also likes semiconductors. She's looking at a semiconductor ETF, the uh, Samsung Bloomberg Global Semiconductor 3132, (laughs) 8HK is the ticker. Um, This tracks 20 companies. Her point is that semis are obviously used in um, industrial chips, but also electric vehicles. So they can be an EV play as well. And then our final one, 23 for 23. She's looking at Indonesia and Thailand. So if you look at Southeast Asia, she likes those two countries or at least thinks that good things may happen there. And so she's looking at the Premier Dow Jones Emerging Asian Titans 100, which uh, tracks the top 100 companies in Indonesia, Malaysia, that's Thailand. A, that's a growth play. I mean, and, that's, that's a really interesting one. Yeah. Okay. So that's like, um, you know, again, sort of like a concentrated Southeast Asia ETF, uh, given that there's, again, a lot of Asia is really just like, can we please rebound? Because they've been beat up even worse than us. And that's sort of, I think, the thread through a lot of her, her uh, 23 ETFs. Okay. James, Athanasios, Scarlett, thanks for joining us on Trillions. Thanks for having me back. I was happy to be here. It was a lot of fun. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to Trillions. Until next time, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter. I'm at Joel Weppershow. He's at Eric Balchinas. This episode of Trillions was produced by Magnus Hendricks. Bye. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. 
Invesco Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.